0: Hey there, episode 24, Horror Dads, coming at ya.
1: What's up, man? What's up, bud? Dude, uh, okay, so, couple things. Hey, this episode's fucking great.
0: What's the theme of this episode?
1: Theme of this episode is, we're talking about horror movies with ensemble casts. Yep, So like I know
0: what you did last summer.
1: Similar to that, I know what you did last summer, and, um... Krampus, that's a good one. Yeah, Krampus, Yeah. yeah. So, we're talking tropes. We're talking kind of predefined, uh, boxed meals of what character types are, uh, and we, we challenge that, we explore it a lot, and we have a great guest that helps us do that, um, Michael Lawrence Potter.
0: This guy is, he's our new best friend.
1: Honestly, i he's so, like, uh, down to earth and chill, and he's an actor, and he was in this really great fucking movie called Triggered, uh, which just came out, um, I think a few a couple months ago.
0: Yeah. We get into this on the uh episode, but I was genuinely surprised by how much I enjoyed this movie. And you had told me like first of all, we've discussed this before, but you don't spend more than three dollars on almost anything. And to rent this movie was four ninety nine on Amazon. <laughs> and like John's the type of guy in the app store. If an app on the app store is more than ninety nine cents, John's no, like, No, no, it.
1: I no, will not. I can figure out a way to um, do the <laughs> same utility <laughs> right? for free. Uh
0: but this movie was like 4.99 to rent. Uh, John was like, "Yeah, no, I recommend watching it. Um I actually wish I had purchased it for 12.99." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> I'll watch it right now because that's uh, high praise from you. And part so, of it was was uh initially
1: nepotism of having spoken to Michael before watching it cuz he was a really down-to-earth guy, really yeah. nice, and he he basically talked me into liking it before I even watched it just because he's Well, that's
0: what this guy can do. He's so yeah. genuine and yeah. kind
1: and 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 you and you care to talk to him, and you care about the things he cares about. But then I I sat down with a bowl of pop- popcorn. And I watched this movie like I I was enamored by it, and yeah. it was really enjoyable. And I'm I'm very pleased. No, dude, so. it was
0: it was really fun. It's a good one.
1: It's a lot of fun. But uh, before we get into it with our uh, with our new friend Michael, we're gonna do our standard stuff. We are hot on the heels of a recent episode, so we haven't really been buying much, but we do no. want to hit what we've been been watching, what we're wearing, and what we've been doing with the family. Sure. So, in the interest of that, what's been going on with your family, man?
0: Yeah, so we actually, on the last one we were talking about how we were quarantined, we broke the quarantine, we're done now, we're good to go. Uh, we just got a new trampoline so the kids can jump with friends, neighborhood friends now. Yeah. it's been solo jumping out there. Uh, but um, I watch, so we're to the age now. I'm to the age now with my oldest son, who's seven, uh, who's now like getting scared of stuff. Yeah. And so this past week we've been dealing with him creeping into our bed in the middle of the night. Cause he's scared. Um, needs like lights on, and it, it this all stemmed from some stupid fucking Nickelodeon show called Bunked. Uh, they had like these um, Halloween, I guess, or Halloween episodes. I think
1: of Zeke the Plumber, though. Like that fucked you up. Yeah, I know it messed me up.
0: Yeah, but it's funny because they have like warnings at the beginning of these shows that say, um, I, which is the first time Child I've seen this. Child will sleep in your bed. <laughs> but <laughs> it says to the kid, like, uh, if you this one might be scary, so you want to watch it with your parents. Yeah. So he's been bugging me while I'm trying to work. Like, hey, Dad, I need to watch Bunked. Uh, this episode says I need to watch it with you, and I'm like, go away. Uh, but anyways, so he watched Bunked, and now has been. He told me in the morning the one day it was like after the third day of this was like it's because of Bunked. Oh. I was like, this stupid show. Do you? What was the episode about? It was like these kids were trying to scare the other campers, and they were wearing these scary masks. Because oh, Bunked cool. is like a summer camp. Yeah. You know there Um. But yeah. It, like when I was watching with him, I was actually like,
2: "Huh, I'm into I'm this, this is a yeah. little bit
0: actually <laughs> scary, I guess, but cool. yeah, so we're there,
1: yeah, I mean, those are always like the gateway things you remember from childhood,, sure. like I mentioned the Zeke the plumber idea, like I feel like that character was a prominent figure in in our childhood that kind of led us into some of the spookier things, which is cool, uh but I actually have a little audio clip I'm gonna put in here, cool, of a video of um my youngest, Luna, who just turned three last week. And I know I've talked about how she's obsessed with two things, one, the Grinch, and uh, the other uh, witches. But I bought yeah. these three, uh, she was so she, she was a witch for Halloween. So I bought these three wonderful prints from our buddy, Matt Pepler, oh, yeah. um, of the three Halloween masks from Halloween three. So we've got the skeleton, the witch, the pumpkin, and I had a brief conversation with her about these. Uh, and if you'll notice, she refers to skeletons as skeletons and witches as witch mm-hmm. is. So it's the cutest thing I've ever heard. Wait, what are those up there? What? what are those pictures?
2: Um, witch,
0: pumpkin,
1: and all You want to be what for Halloween this year?
0: Um. Another wish I
2: want. I want the green face right there, like
1: the gilly, the gilly um. Two. Yeah. The tooth. All right, man. Well,
0: funny, hilarious. <laughs> what uh, what have you been watching? So I've been on this western kick. I always get like in the winter for some reason I get like these little itches for westerns. I don't know why, but um, in that thread of thinking, I guess I watched uh, Bone Tomahawk. Oh which is just gruesome. I just love me. Kurt Russell. So
1: yeah, dude, I mean, he's a real deal.
0: Good movie. And it's shocking because like when you first watch it, you're like, is this actually horror? Like where's the horror coming from? Um, but Oh my God,
1: I've been watching in the interest of the theme here, the ensemble cast theme. I, I hit some of the movies that we don't talk about that have pretty strong ensemble casts in preparation. So I watched the urban legend again. Yeah. I watched through, I know you did last summer again. Um, and then i did i did uh watch Her- hereditary again um the other day just revisiting that trying to see if i like it more than i did the first time um ties in a little bit yeah which does so uh yeah that's what i've been hitting um
0: i wanted to mention too i watched uh sorry introduced my oldest to uh batman the original
1: oh nice and he loved it oh my sister was telling me that uh, your youngest uh, Riker was like really obsessing on the Joker he was, too, yeah. which I w- I was obsessed with when I was a kid.
0: Correct. Yeah. And he makes me talk like the Joker, but he calls him the Joker. Well, let's hear
1: it.
2: Come on.
0: Come no, on. again, One I, time. I, just I once. will not. No, I will once. not. Once. I just do a stupid laugh. It's not a big deal. Let's hear <laughs> <a> it. <line. No. laughs> just fuck off. <laughs> Honestly, I'm embarrassed right now. Um, but he he calls him Joker. I don't know why. <laughs> I keep telling him there's no T. You. <laughs> Anyone Isn't that in. your thing with yogurt though? Don't you call it yogurt? Yeah, come on now. <laughs> um but yeah, so we watched Batman one and two. Well, we we started to. He said it was a little scary.
1: I mean, dude, that intro I know we talked about, I think, with Matt Tobin.
0: Yeah, but you know what's funny is he's not scared of Penguin. Hmm. He's scared of fucking catwoman.
1: So there Well, you go. I mean, that scene, her transformation is pretty
0: Yeah. I think that's where yeah. he was like, All right. I'm a yeah. little bit,
1: little bit scared. That is like a, just a badass scene, though.
0: <sighs> I mean, everything about that—that that movie's great. Revisiting those, I haven't watched those original Batman since I was like a young teen, probably. You yeah. know? Yeah. And um, god damn, those are those are fun movies. Those yeah. are good. Jack Nicholson as Joker in the first one, just oh, he he nails is am- it. That guy is fucking amazing.
1: It's weird because the Tim Burton's they, they, really brought in some heavy hitters. Yeah. Um, and then they tried to continue the pattern they're like, okay, we got Jim Carrey coming in. We got Arnold Schwarzenegger True. coming in later. And those just were like, those were misses in comparison to
0: the Tim I, Burton. I do. Di- this isn't a Batman episode. Uh, but I do dig the Val Kilmer one. That uh, I always, forever. Yeah, yeah. I always liked Val as a Batman, but, um, that's Chris it. Adonis, I mean, that's Adonis, the last Robin one. It's the last one I'm going to watch. George Clooney. No, thanks. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. George yeah. Batman. Arnold Schwarzenegger in there as Mr. Freeze. Yeah. I'll pass. What are you wearing, man? So I have uh, Terra Threads, the raglan. It's like a ghost spirit holding a jack-o'-lantern. Your your kids have been enamored with it upstairs. Don't quit asking me about
1: it. (laughs) So for the record, there is some background noise on this episode. Um, So Michael, as you will find, lives in South Africa. So he and we have a pretty dramatic time difference. So the only time we could do this was on a weekend, and we... Jamie and I typically record late at night, um, but we had to get up uh, a little early for this, and uh, my kids are running back and forth, screaming at the top of their lungs upstairs. You might hear it now. You're going to hear it in the episode. So, horror dads, indeed. It Um, is what it is. But this is a fun one. So, I'm wearing um, my uh, Friday the 13th... There's the zip. zip. We're (laughs) back to that time of year. Uh, I'm wearing my Friday the 13th... T from like old navy, old navy. Yeah. yeah so which is like basically the cover of the uh 2009 remake right and uh i also have my every day halloween uh hoodie from cavy colors on i love that hoodie with the uh the yellow skeleton on the front holding a pumpkin in front of where his heart should be with the bats
2: uh, in
0: the background yeah hmm. i i love that hoodie so much because i don't own it yeah and so i'm always like envious of it when i see it
1: it's pretty cold down here if you want to get in Dude, this hoodie with it me it's like yeah We can't have a heater on for background noise. So, yeah, just rub your hands. My nipples
0: are honestly like Tatum's right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we're going to get at it. Let's get into it. Welcome to Episode 24 of Horror Dads. Today is a really great uh, day because we have our new friend Michael Lawrence Potter joining us. He's an actor, screenwriter, and attorney. Michael, welcome.
3: Hey guys, thanks so much for having me.
1: Yeah, man, we're really excited to have you on. Yeah, this is a Okay, so this is our 24th episode. This is going to be the last one of 2020. Uh, fuck this year. And <laughs> uh, we're going out on a high night, high note though. We've not So I guess of the guests we've had, this is uh, really only the second actor we've had on, yeah?
0: Yeah, I think Emily Bennett and uh, now Michael.
1: Yeah, and Darren Callahan flirted, I think, with the acting gig a little bit. But So this is awesome. So, Michael, uh, I've been touting on social media all week uh, your accent and uh, how great people are going to receive just the fact that you sound so serene when you talk. So we're pumped about this. (laughs)
3: i'm really glad that you said that because i was i was freaking out with a friend of mine um and he he's quite a hectic method actor so he said to me he's usually of the opinion you know if you do if you do a movie in an american accent you've also got to do the podcast and the media and all that and that isn't like isn't that gonna sound a bit pretentious man like so i'm glad that i'm glad i went with the natural and i'm glad that it's obviously resonating so thank you i think South African accents, they they can go one of two ways. It's either endearing or it's just unintelligible. So I'm glad I'm at least... And that's coming from someone who's lived here. We've we've
1: got the endearing side of the fence here. Um, Thank goodness. So, Michael, you uh, were recently in a film called Trigger, which is triggered, which is fucking great. It's on Amazon Prime right now. So we're going to ask you a ton of stuff about that. Uh, But the theme of our episode, given that film is uh, horror movies that have ensemble casts so we're going to oh, talk yeah. about some character tropes and some uh, just like generalization of, uh, of of the larger cast type uh, horror films which is going to be a lot of fun and we're going to ask you a lot about Triggered too.
3: Of course I'm, I'm excited
1: to talk. All right so it seems though that The acting side of life is somewhat of a more recent endeavor for you. Yeah, because you're also an attorney. So I guess what was the pathway here to get into acting?
3: (laughs) I think the pathway is it's such a it's such an interesting question because. I kind of forgot that acting is what I've wanted to do my entire life because I was the thing is, I, I can't even do like the tragic actor's story because I have two loving parents from very high-paying, high-achieving academic jobs, who loved and cared for me and pushed me to like do the absolute best I could. And you know, as a result, it was one of those things where I could tell I sure as hell wasn't going to be a doctor and I wasn't going to be an engineer. Like numbers are just not not my friend and. In, in South Africa, in the sort of like, if you're kind of seen to be someone who can have a good average, you know, you're either a doctor, an engineer, accountant, or a lawyer. And I was like, well, you know, I, I guess the law thing's going to work. And I kind of just did that because it was the thing that you did. And sure. while, um, while I was at university, um, I got approached by one or two directors for music videos and independent movies who just who needed a guy to kind of stand in or run like one or two lines. And every single time I was either I was either the dumb jock or I was the jerk. And oh, no. It's 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 a it's a it's a casting type that has never left me for some reason. And um, it, it was one of those things where it sounds so stupid, but you get onto set and it it really felt like I was coming home. It was I love the manic energy about hmm. it. I love the creative collaboration, people were throwing scripts in the air no one was sleeping it was a night shoot and i just thought yeah this this will do for me and i i kind of just dropped as much as i could to pursue this feeling that i had you know it was something i didn't even really understand what it was but i knew i wanted that feeling so i was doing articles at a law firm one of the best law firms in sa and it's it's hard hours you get in at 6 a.m you clock out at like 7 8 p.m and once I would once I would clock out of work, I would you know change out of my suit, get into like my leather jacket and my jeans, and I would go and hit the standup <laughs> com- comedy circuit, because um, you know like I, I wasn't exactly going to be able to get stage work or acting work or go to auditions during working hours. So I thought I'm going to try the stand-up comedy. I'm going to try the improv roots. And once I did that for about uh, two years, did a couple of festivals, and eventually I met up with this. Acting teacher by the name of Steven Feinstein, who ran the Indigo View Acting Academy, which is an academy that's kind of a finishing school for already established educated actors. It's kind of like once you've done your university degree, or once you've done like five years in the industry, you come there. It's like it's it's like kind of our equivalent of the actors' studio. Mm. And I've very brazenly auditioned after. Mr. Feinstein told me in no uncertain terms, this is never going to happen, kid. But like, you know, <laughs> like whatever, you know, it's, I've got time. And um, he, he, I did this audition. It was a, <laughs> I, was, I, I must have thought very highly of myself because it was a scene from uh, Glen Gary, Glen Ross, to which he answered, Michael, yeah, great movie, great play. But he looked me dead in the eye and said, Mike, I want you to know that that was the most wooden, inauthentic, like um, cheese ridden performance I've ever seen in my entire life. And I was like, okay, oh, like, but you've got, <laughs> but you've got something. So let's see if we can work with you. And you know, so basically, but that's, but that's, the thing is this, he was very versed in the Meisner technique, which is a technique that basically belies on being as natural as possible through repetition, through action and um action and intention. So it was essential. So now my life became even busier where I would have still have my my six to eight job, then my comedy on the weekdays. And then on the weekends, I'd get to the Johannesburg Theater at about 7 a.m. and I'd leave at about 7 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays for about 52 weeks. So I mean, my free time was probably my crying in the shower and like shoveling, <laughs> so, shoveling some like food that like whatever was lying around in my fridge. But it, yeah. was the greatest, it was the greatest year of my entire life because, you know, you step on a stage with these, these actors who are just so well-versed and so authentic. And again, it was that feeling that just kept driving me forward of something real, something authentic. And um, the, the director of, um, or rather one of the cast members of Triggered, who's now one of my best friends, uh, Stephen John Ward, he plays Ezra in the film. He saw me, um, he saw one of my tapes just out of complete obscurity, uh, asked me his, his exact words. I'll never forget it. He said, "Yeah, you're. Uh, I saw you on the Joburg theater. You're pretty weird." I'm
2: like, mm-hmm. okay. I'm like,
3: <laughs> okay. Yeah, thanks, man. He's <laughs> like, "Can you do a Brooklyn accent?" I'm like, "I can try." And yeah, that was it. Was really as easy as that. I sent the self tape. Heard heard nothing for like a, I think a month, and I just assumed I didn't get it. And yeah, my first acting job ever landed was Triggered, which was just Amazing. bizarre to think about it. And it's, it's crazy because it's my first film credit. But pr- like prior to the movie getting released, I like kind of just hit the indie scene and just done as many student films, art films, you know, whatever I could do to get my face, get my face out there and get my technique out there.
0: You mentioned uh, at a young age wanting to be an actor. Was there a genre of film that kind of inspired you to be an actor? Did you oh, love horror? Man. Did you love you know like
3: what was your thing? Oh man, uh, that it, it's horror was definitely a massive influence. Um, horror and fantasy, I think. Uh, I remember yeah. it so. I remember it so clearly. Um, we go oh, hand in hand a, a lot of times. And sci-fi no, for, too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Horror,
1: sci-fi, Precisely. But
3: it, it's it's the whole thing of of suspending disbelief and just being engrossed in whatever's happening sure. and getting for a little bit yep precisely the idea of escapism and you know every friday night since i was about maybe 4 years old it, it was it was lined up where it was you go you go to blockbuster you get yourself a pizza and i remember just walking through the aisles of those DV, of those, well back then it was vhs stores. i can remember the smell i can remember the music that was playing in the background yeah. And I would just go through and just be mesmerized by these film covers. Like, I'm a, I'm a huge aficionado, or at least a fan, of, like, old retro film covers, especially stuff from the 80s, horror movies, you know, a lot of those, like, hand-painted, um, a lot of those, like, hand-painted, like, really grotesque um, yeah. film, film covers. And I remember just, like, just like grabbing those off the shelf and just staring yeah. off them. And I would, I would imagine what the movies would be like before I watched them. So like for years, because I'd have to like sneak things like it or um what Jeep is creepers or The Exorcist because you know like I when you when you're 10 years old you can't exactly you know get that past the 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 stoned you go but there car- yourself. <laughs> yeah. The 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 stoned but very caring uh, video store clerk and you know, it wasn't gonna like wasn't gonna let me walk out with them. Or but, if you're
1: it's, it's funny too like your summary like when your parents would ask you, like, hey what's this about? Like they can't, like they're not going to just flip it over and look at the back, and yeah, then like yeah. your <laughs> definition of what it, it's like. Oh, it's it's this like it's supposed to be this funny thing. My friend saw it. It's, it should be it's it should be good. Yeah. It's about I, this guy uh, who doesn't
0: like campers very much. No, yeah. Not a big
2: deal.
0: <laughs>
2: look, about, I I still think Jason
1: guide on how to start fires and stuff, and you know build log cabins. It's good. It'll be fine.
3: Yeah, I'm afraid Kruger's about chasing your dreams. I mean, that's basically a Latin, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I would say I would say horror and fantasy were the two things that really sort of uh, molded my brain towards filmmaking. Just because I, I loved, you know, if I think about my two favorite films when I was growing up as a kid, I was absolutely obsessed with um, with the Batman films. I know you guys did a podcast on it a few few weeks ago, but um, the original Michael Keaton Batman's. I think I must have. I can't remember if it was this film or something else, but I remember there was a VHS that I hired so many times that the, the video store clerks were like, dude, just take it. Like, you, you take this Yours, out more than anyone. Yeah. And I just remember being fascinated by the character of the penguin, just this grotesque, um, sort of um, like mal- malnourished, evil human being with a sort of good side to him. And I remember just, and then I remember my mother showed me a photo of Danny DeVito as a normal human being. And from there, that just blew my mind. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're, t- you're telling me that he's like this, but he can make himself look like this. And from there, I was just absolutely smitten with uh, character acting like Robert England as, um, yeah, as our boy Freddie. Sure. Like that for me is still just a sublime sense of character acting i mean he had to sit in the chair for 16 hours to get that makeup on changing the modulation of his voice changing like how he walked and how he talked that that kind of hooked me you know the idea of being somebody else the idea of creating a story and just morphing your entire body and the way you conduct yourself it it, it's become a sort of mesmerizing it's a mesmerizing process that clearly i'm still fascinated
0: yeah, as a child, that's, like, <clears throat> it's almost incomprehensible, and it's yeah, uh, it's yeah. amazing to, like, as, you know, like, my, it's funny you mention this, because I mentioned in the intro um, that my son, I just introduced him to the original Batman, and uh, yes, yes. <laughs> he, it's the same, now I'm watching his, like, the wonderment in his eyes, like, wait, because he knows Danny DeVito from other shit, you know? Yeah, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. He binge watches it every weekend. Um, But he, it's so funny to see like him process that. Like, what? How can that be him?
1: Yeah, so it's cool. And it's also funny, Michael, that you mentioned Freddy Krueger because I do want to bring this conversation around to triggered. And the note I have written here. Okay, so triggered. For those that don't know, uh, this is the epitome of an ensemble cast. It's. Uh, It has elements of... I I mean, Michael, you had referenced a handful of films that are kind of similar to this. Like, it's very Battle Royale meets... Oh, yeah, yeah. Meets like a 90s, uh, almost like slasher sort of compounding of personalities all in a really tense and terse situation that they're trying to, to navigate through.
0: Yeah, you get hints of like Hunger Games and... Yeah. Shit like that.
1: And... And the the film, though, d- it relies on practical effects. Um, so I, I, I don't know. There's probably CGI in, in actually in your scene. Um, however, the, or maybe there isn't, but the makeup in your scene uh, at the end of your long scene, I guess we'll say, for avoiding yeah, spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you, you were one of the ones that, like, were bloodied up and, like, beat oh, the yeah. shit. Probably. Yeah, yeah more than a lot of others so do you I, and the note I have written here is what, did you feel like Freddy Freddy Krueger <laughs> like how long does it take to get makeup that looks like that I'm sure it's well a long, look yeah.
3: well look I was nowhere near um uh what's it, Robert England or like maybe Jim Carrey and the Grinch like for me it was more just like first of all my first movie so I'm walking around with like scars in my eyes is absolutely dazzled by the wonderment here and um, it, it became very clear that I this was my first set that I'd ever been on, because my director takes a look at me and goes like, all right, Mark, that was a good take. Uh, we're going to need you to go speak to the DOP. I'm like, you got it, boss. And I like turns my castmate. I'm like, what the hell's a DOP? It's like Direct of, <laughs> director of photography. I'm like, got it. Thanks, man.
1: And which person um, is that? Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. So, I, um, so basically, like the first thing that happened is like I had to get there and sit in the chair. And had to get a lot of prosthetic makeup on and a lot of fake blood. Now that took me about, I think it was about two and a half hours. And then on top of that, I had to get touch-ups every now, um, like about every hour and a half, just to make sure that the blood was um, super fresh, and that you know, nothing, like there was no adhesives that were slipping. And every now and again, they were just like, like, kind of compounded and add like more maybe skin tone more sort of like blood plasma like whatever needed to happen to make it look more authentic and um (laughs) it it was actually a funny story so for the big reveal of my of my makeup like i said i won't spoil it but there is a sort of like big reveal of it and i spoke to the director and i was like look man um i don't know like you want to get that realistic um reaction I don't know if it's gonna work if I'm just like standing by craft services, like eating nachos, you know, my classmates are just sitting next to me. I'm like, why don't I go out? And then, like when they see me, it's the first time they've seen me, and that like initial take is gonna be authentic. It's was like, yeah, oh, I like that. Very good. Like, I don't know who the hell I thought I was like proposing anything to the director. But you know, <laughs> look, like... I was just talking to the DOP. I've got some suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> look, I've been on a film set for seven whole minutes. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so, I, so I, I went out into, I went out into like the field because we we're, we're filming on location in these woods, and I go out into the field of um, the i guess it's like there were farms nearby and i've got noise cancelling headphones listening to like slayer and like the most (laughs) aggravating music that i can to kind of get myself there and um i've got my walkie-talkie just getting ready for for call time and i'm walking around just like pumping myself up and just so you understand this area that we're staying in had just been um had just been uh, home to the Kruger's Dorp Killers, which is what happens when the Manson family drop all pretense of charm. They were these mean, horrible, like cult-like figures who used to hack people to death with uh, with machetes. This and was they a had real ju- thing. A real thing. Look it up. It'll it it, it, it I, how it hasn't been made into a movie. I have no yeah. idea. And it's I'll, called I'll what the
1: Kruger what you, uh,
3: the Kruger's Dorp Killers. I'll send you guys a link. It's Jesus. fascinating. All but right. these guys had just been apprehended like just been so they were all over the news and I'm walking, I'm walking through the field. I'm listening to my music. I can't hear anything. All of a sudden I feel this cold sensation against my shoulder and I yell. And I mean, I'm 90% caffeine and 2% sleep at this point. And I just like start running through the field. I trip over a rock. I smash into thorns. I smash into what I can only assume was a glass bush and I'm just like, stand up, covered in cuts, covered in thorns, and turn around at a very confused-looking cow who had no idea why I was making such a fuss out of getting licked. <laughs> and, and now that my walkie-talkie starts going, I'm like, oh, damn it, I've got to be on set. So <laughs> I walk onto set, and my director looks at me and goes, brilliant, get on the mark. And he's like, the fake the fake blood really looks amazing. Like, I didn't have the heart to tell him that. It's like, it's not all fake, man. Some of this is real. <laughs>
1: For those that have not seen it, you know, we did push this on social this week. So hopefully a lot of our loyal uh, followers had an opportunity to check it out before watching. But this, given that this is Hunger Games-esque and Battle Royale-esque, as one would imagine, like, the characters start to drop off. Okay, so we're just going to oh, go yeah. ahead and state that basically everyone but one person dies in this movie, okay? Yeah, now, don't get attached, guys. <laughs> so don't so don't get attached. Um, before recording, I had an opportunity to connect with Michael earlier this week. And he, the, actually the inception of the idea for this episode, he said, who do you think the last person standing is going to be? Because I hadn't watched mm-hmm. it yet. Yeah, yeah. So we went through all of the different character types, uh, and, and he very succinctly defined each, like, uh, horror trope. He said, okay, we've got the square jaw guy. We have my guy, who's kind of the uh, the Anansi character, the trickster. Uh, we have... <laughs> You know the MIT student. Uh, we have the introvert. We have and and he he classified through all these. So I made a guess. My guess was wrong, um, <laughs> but uh, it was it was fun. So that was sort of the inception of the ensemble
0: cast idea. But well, as with all those types of movies, it always like there's always twists and turns and yes, there you know, are. You, you uncover facts about people that you didn't previously know. And so yeah, and I mean I I was genuinely shocked and surprised by how much I enjoyed this film. You know you kind of through Instagram we kind of get recommendations for movies or people be like, Oh, I was in this movie. And a lot of times it's kind of like, Oh, that was something. Uh, but this was like a genuinely (laughs) like really well done movie. I told Jamie
1: after, after renting it, I was like, I I wish I would have bought it on, on demand just so that I have it. So like, I, I will be buying this film once it's, uh, available on Blu-ray. It might
3: even be available now and maybe I'll do it now while we're sitting here talking. Yeah, this was great. So, That'll be fantastic. I've seen I've seen the covers, um, the the Blu-ray covers, and I'm, I think you guys are in for a treat. I oh I think I actually posted one this week uh,
1: that was uh, it, it it looked like it was like a hand drawn sort of uh, yes yeah yeah it was really cool. But I I do want to talk about the establishing shot of this movie and just kind sure, of the yeah. tone and the general vibe and feel of the film. Um, so the establishing shot where the characters are introduced, I think you're actually
3: the first person on screen. Um, yes, I am, yeah. Well, I mean, once again, spoilers alert, but in terms of the core cast, then yes, yes, I am the first person. Yeah, which which is... Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
1: And there they go upstairs, mm-hmm. sprinting. <laughs> but the, the establishing shot with the core characters, it is really cool because it's... Uh, this film is ninety nine percent filmed in the dark. Correct. Um, and the lighting is really, really fantastic. Like, I can't imagine the amount of hoops you guys had to jump through as a team to get the lighting to be what it was. But it's it's very well lit and basically the middle of the woods in the middle of the night.
0: Yeah, I was impressed by the fact that I. There were times I was like, "Is this a film set?" Because I, I know you're right. The lighting, like, I never struggled to. Um, you know, see what was going on. And a lot of times with dark movies like that, I do. But it's very Friday the 13th Part 2, the way it
1: it establishes, because you guys are all sitting around a campfire. You guys are having a good time. You're drinking. uh, And without it being too contrived, like, you really are introduced to the tropes and the different character types pretty immediately by the interaction that they're having with one another in that establishing
0: shot. Yeah, I got a very... This is weird and maybe... You guys will be like, you're dumb, but I got a very like House of Wax vibe
3: from uh, the beginning. Oh yeah, right. yeah, hey, yeah. Right
0: here. Oh, there, there you yeah. go. <laughs> I, do. I
3: do. Which, by I the way, I do. I love that movie so. Yeah. I, I think it's the elements of camping. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, Paris Hilton wasn't available, but you know how it is. You yeah. Know, we, we did, we did what we could. <laughs> she was fucked. She was tied of, up with something else. Yeah. yeah of, of, course, of course,
1: of <laughs> course. Uh, but the color. Uh, okay, so there are these vests that are fixed to all the core characters and essentially like there's a uh. scoring system that occurs so that depending on who offs another person or if someone's yeah. near someone that dies, you get a score. It's like laser tag essentially in the middle of the woods, but instead of laser gun, you're using um, other whatever weapon
3: you, you weapon can find, you can yeah. find to wh- kill your wh- friends. Whatever, whatever's lying around, whatever's coming out of the um, Call of Duty loot box at that point
0: yeah but the color of the vests dude i was going to mention the color yeah the when, way it like reflects on their faces yeah. and stuff yeah it's beautifully shot honestly yep. it is it looked great um
1: no i
3: think that, that's all that's all down to um our cinematographer uh mr gareth bonds uh phenomenal guy actually drummer of one of my favorite bands growing up which was very um which is very uh, jarring to say the least And um, it it was exactly that. That is just the cinematography, the lighting was down to an exact science. And they were, you know, once again, like I said, I was on set and I didn't understand half of what was happening. But the precision in which these guys would position lights or position filters or get a certain shot with a certain composition, it really was astounding to watch. And a lot of work was put into that.
1: Yeah. And the other thing, too, is... I, I have written right here the photography of this film is great. So,
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. the it's funny because movies are a genuine, like, ensemble cast, you know, like, to make the movie. There's an ensemble of people that are just fucking so well-versed at what they do, and um, they're all, like, experts at their craft to make this one thing, you know? it's like Yeah, and the sound design's mean, yeah. great on this, too. Oh, yeah, I mean, everything about yeah. this movie was really well done.
1: Yeah, I, I, the sound design, I thought, was you know, spot on and there's shitload going on. It's all outside. There are a million different characters or a million different things happening at once. So it's, it's very cohesive. It feels natural. Um, and I have, a uh, in my podcast home office space in the basement here, I've got surround sound set up. And I think I emailed you after this, like typically I watch movies for the ninth time out of the corner of my eye as I'm doing work or <laughs> doing freelance or whatever it might be.
3: Sure.
2: Sure. Um, yeah.
1: But I, actually, I made a bowl of popcorn, I came down here, I, I poured myself a whiskey, I had a bowl of popcorn, and I had a notepad in front of me, and my phone wasn't even near me. And I literally did nothing but watch this movie and take notes.
0: That's great.
1: Um, so yeah, I, I was impressed. I can't recommend it enough. Um, definitely worth checking out.
0: Do you remember the end, or was there too much whiskey? I, re- <laughs> I remember
1: the end. And that's one of the only scenes that has light in it.
0: <laughs> I I had a question about the uh, the cast. Did you guys? I always wonder this about ensemble cast. Did you guys like meet beforehand? Did you guys like hang out, you know, before okay. filming, or was it just kind of like here you guys go? Meet. No, Michael. it's it, it, it's
3: it's fun. It's funny you should say that. Uh, you came we, out with the blood, and that was the first time. I ever met you. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, look that that would be uh, that would be an amazing story. But unfortunately, the the truth is much cuter. That we actually they they said, okay, the first table read is at the studio. The studio was like um, right down the road from my house, which was like uh, unheard of. So most studios are like way out in the city and I was living in the very quiet uh, suburbs. So it's it's the craziest thing. You walk through the quiet suburbs and all of a sudden there's like this crazy movie studio that I'd never passed before, despite living (laughs) in that area for like 15 years. And uh, we got in there and immediately as we get there, we, um, we have to do a table read and, you know, just basically check chemistry and stuff. Like, I don't know. I've got the part yet. Like at this point, it's just, Oh, we're going to see how you work with the other cast mates and get in there. And it's all these people that I can recognize from, Oh, that guy's from house and Willow street. That guy's, uh, that's the lady from friend request. That's the guy from, you know, it's like all of a sudden I'm I'm like getting enveloped by these well-established, incredible actors. And, um, we start doing the table read and then we have a intermission to which they say, okay, we're going to do a little cost bonding session. Now what that was, and I'm not kidding. We went to play laser tag and you um. got to
2: see, <laughs>
3: and you got to see people's characters in full force. And I've got to tell you, it wasn't very far off from what you see on film. I what Russell, the guy who's playing Cato, was like Patrick Bateman on a day out at the beach. I like, I was a, I was a sniper kind of like getting people with cheap shots, PJ didn't know what the heck was going on. Yeah, um, <laughs> Liesl, Liesl went from timid and shy to like being like Lara Croft and Black Widow. It was, and it was an incredible, it, and uh, it's, it's one of those things where we have actually kept in very close touch um, since that day. Like we've actually worked on a few projects together and uh, Stephen John Ward, the guy who plays Ezra, who pretty much discovered me, him and I are very close friends. We're actually working on a production together, oh, so man. it was one of the, it was one of those ensemble casts that actually bred a lot of friendships and a lot of professional partnerships, and it all started with a. Very awkward table read to which um, (laughs) I was approaching at uh, with a hundred percent and everyone was like, dude, it's a table read. You can chill. Like we're just we're genuinely just reading it and uh, and a laser tag game that almost ended in uh, half the cast dying before the film shot because we were very competitive.
0: Man, that's amazing. That
1: is amazing. And I think that that's such a cool that's such a cool story to have too, and an experience that. Have your, your parents have seen this movie, I would imagine.
3: They've seen parts of the movie. Um, you have to understand my, my mother is a lovely Catholic Brazilian woman. And my father is a very chilled out South African guy. Um, so for me it was more of just, I would, sh- I would go onto Amazon and I would show them there's the scene of me by the campfire I'm not going to show you the scene of me in the tent, and that's here's
1: the th- scene. This, that's why I'm asking this question because yeah, I don't know. And, I don't know how to do this with my parents.
3: Well, I, I well I, well that's the thing is I just I decided not to. Uh, I showed them I showed them the monologue and I showed them the opening scene. I'm like, and that's it. I'm like, oh, I thought you were in it more. I'm like, yeah, me too. Who would have thought? You know, and I just moved <laughs> on. Like that's um, you know, like my my parents aren't too um, enamored with this with this acting creative thing to begin with. And I think my mother's even more kind of heartbroken that every single character I've played has been like a joke or a psychopath or a, like, um, yeah. some, some form of, some form of, uh, sociopathy. But last night was actually a really cool experience. I was in a very mushy art house film called the extraordinary super now, in which I play a, a man suffering with uh, OCD and a uh, PTSD over the loss of his wife in a, in a brutal car accident and it's a very it was a very sort of um charming role Saturday (laughs) yeah hey everybody let's go (laughs) out to the movies
1: but I mean that's probably uh very challenging though kind of and it seems like that's kind of what you're looking for in in your career is the evolution of your of your experience here and that's definitely like a a departure from it seems like the the stuff that you've been cast thus far which is great so
3: no, precisely. I think like what what I'm trying to do every single time I take a script is ask myself. I, I, I mean, I, I'm a I, I'm an attorney at heart, so I still approach things very pragmatically. So I draw up Venn diagrams and I draw up tables <laughs> and I have to compare. Right. How is this character different to Bobby? OK, Bobby was a jerk because he did this. This guy has to be a jerk because his motivation is that. And, you know, you kind of uh, once you know where you're drawing from your intention becomes a lot more clear. But yeah, I think last night was nice. Cause my parents got to see me in a film where I didn't kill anybody. I didn't get naked and I wasn't killed, which, you know, so far my filmography is not helping that I'm becoming, <laughs> I'm, be, I'm becoming like, uh, if, if Sean Bean and I don't know, like, uh, Tara, uh, Tara Reed had a baby. Like that's my film <laughs> career so far. I'm, ki- I'm killing, I'm killing people and getting killed and getting naked. And it's just, and I don't know what's happening. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's hilarious. Um, I did have a question about the. So, in. Uh, and this is more of like a. Um, just my ignorance because I, I don't know a lot about film production. And furthermore, from a global perspective, I don't really understand the differences in funding and stuff from the U.S. versus um, other countries such as, you know, South Africa. But I, I did notice uh, in the credits that. It said that there was DIT funding, and I did some research. So it seems like it's the Department of Trade and Industry for South Correct, Africa. Yeah. So Correct. Yeah. Is that yeah. common for them to fund? Was it because of the location? Was it because of the project type? Do you have to like? What? How do you get funding?
3: Or or do they just help fund movies that they choose? Like, what is it? L- look, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak. Um, I'm gonna speak as candidly as I possibly can in the sense of that I'm very much learning the ropes of the production game. Um, sure. So I, I I hope I'm not letting my producers down when I speak uh, from this way. But basically, what happens is is that um, our Department of Trade and Industry, when it comes to films, will fund a film to a certain degree, and I'm talking it's quite a small percentage. If there is said that 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 film can either increase tourism, increase um, the cultural landscape of what it is we're trying to do, and essentially is a viable investment for, um, for local local cinema. But then that is only a small portion of the funding that you would get. They would never finance an entire film. And it's something that you would have to apply for as opposed to something you would have to seek out. And it is certainly something in which you would have to jump through several hoops to get. Um, there yeah. thereafter it's it's private funding it's uh, investors it's um, raising from backers but uh, the dit funding is a lot more of a stamp of approval as it is core funding and sure. i really i really hope that uh, really hope that I got full marks on that question like i feel like I'm back at school or i'm well, back in court i'm in to, court being cross-examined <laughs> to, to be honest with you like I
1: think it met the mark. I mean, you, you're talking to two idiots from northeast Ohio, you know, a million miles away. And the Buckeye State. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, like, I now have the ambition to come to South Africa. And if I do, the first thing I'm going to do is probably call you and uh, have you show me where to get the best beer I can find. Yeah. And
3: well- I would, I would absolutely, I would absolutely say that uh, finding the best beer in SA. Look, guys, it's going to take a while. We're probably going to have to hit like twelve, twenty bars. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang in there with you. I'm gonna walk you through it. You know, we're we're gonna get to the bottom of this. But um, we're
1: up for the challenge. Yeah, educational, <laughs> yeah. educational purposes. We're gonna need some, no, the, some funding from the the government on that uh, endeavor as well.
3: Absolutely, you know we'll make it. A, we'll make it a cultural expedition, <laughs> and uh, I, I would absolutely say that anyone that's on the fence about coming to South Africa, the minute that things get a little less crazy with the pandemic, I would say please come through. First of all, American dollar versus rand, you guys are going to be okay. And second of all, I'll, <laughs> second of all, I'll say you have never seen weather quite as beautiful. There are animals and natural resources here that will blow your mind. The people here are friendly. Uh, we have like probably the most underrated and cool nightlife and music scene. And quite frankly, it's just uh, it's uh, as a as an American, I think that there's a lot of culture here that is just going to be completely alien to you. And I think that that's the best thing you can ask for when you go and travel. And um, Ohio, Ohio
0: is the exact opposite of what you just said. Yeah, about. There's that. not a lot of culture <laughs> here. Um, however, weather is cloudy always.
3: Yep. Uh, good. Good to know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, the animals are uh, different colored squirrels. You get brown and black, so oh, brown, brown and black. You get the grays. <laughs> yeah. we. It, you know what's actually? This is really funny. We are like the only spot in the USA that has black squirrels. Is this correct, John? So they've migrated. Are they from Canada? They're from Canada, and where I, my alma mater, where,
1: where, I, where I went to college, there was a professor who was in uh, Canada and was like, "Oh, I these black squirrels are amazing." And turns out they're like really vicious they're they're like they're pretty territorial and nasty compared to other squirrels but he he brought them here and started to like breed them and then they overran and kent is uh like 50 miles from where
0: i live now and john put one of these squirrels in his trunk when he came home from school one day they're all
1: all over my backyard now (laughs)
0: so uh
1: that's how it happens Oh. Well, I mean,
3: I've I've got to make my way to Ohio, um, if for nothing else, but uh, the fact that Cleveland boasts America's first traffic light. It began on August the fifth, nineteen fourteen. Yes, I did just Google facts about Ohio oh so God. I can make conversation. <laughs> I was going to say, does this guy know this? <laughs> oh man that would be that would be horrifying if i just knew that right
0: well
1: you played
3: it well so
0: uh, john and i both have uh traffic light tattoos on our ankles because
3: of, of course <laughs> right 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 next to the right next right. to the uh, a- afi and funeral right. for a friend once, of course yeah. <laughs> did, did you did you get the did you get the emo the emo swallows as well because i got very close to getting those little birds on me city and color i blame them personally oh i mean oh dude. right next to our
0: star
1: City of Color. My my one of my best friends uh played acoustic uh, when my wife and I walked down the aisle. So I'll oh, go get wow. it today. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, better better jump on it, man. And if, uh... by the way, do you guys <laughs> say Alex Alex on fire or Alexis on fire? Because we used to fight about that in high school. We say Alexis. Alexis. Yeah. Alexis on fire. Okay. So you yeah. you're reasonable individuals. <laughs> um, I did have one favorite quote
1: I wanted to mention from a comedic perspective uh, from Triggered. But uh, I think you said his name was PJ, um, the dude who was the musician who... Yes, PJ, yeah. And he was talking about his band, so speaking of bands.
3: Sure. But
1: when he he said his new band name, he goes, we go by Butthole Equinox now. I I was so not... That's why when I promoted this on uh, social this week, I referred to it kind of as a a comedy horror because I I felt that. And and the, the... the bad guy, the one who really adopts the visceral nature of the game, he he has almost like, a, you know, the end of Club Dread, when you find yes. out the killer <laughs> is the, the fun police guy? Like, oh, yeah. he, he takes on that, like, dramatized, like, attitude and perspective. I kind of felt, uh, not, it, Broken Lizard really, really, you know, makes it, they over-characterize it this is more subtle but i kind of felt threads and and things of that so uh they're definitely comedic elements
0: so and they certainly looped in some like i got it was funny and also very like throwback to hunger games when kato jumps over that log and he's chasing and like he just lands with like the the hammer yeah. down and yeah. the knee oh, down of course yeah.
2: man
3: gotta 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 have gotta have the, gotta have the superhero dismount man like, i found that scene to point? be so
0: funny so well
1: michael let's let you plug your stuff man a, where can people find you, where you want to be found? B, what are you working on now? <laughs> C, what do you want to work on? Um, and then we can talk
3: about uh, your top three films. Sure, man. Well, first of all, um, if you want to find me on social media, which is the only place I'd like you to find me, don't don't stand outside my house anymore, it's weird. Um, but if you want to find me on social John media... Get and I out there <laughs> with, a, with an empty growler, like...
2: You are ready, said, you promised. We're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we still going out.
3: <laughs> uh, if you want to find me on social media, guys, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, it is what's potting. That's W H A T S P O T T I N G. Otherwise, you can just type in Michael Lawrence Potter into any search bar. Yes, like Harry Potter, but with Michael Lawrence. Um, Hopefully one day I get to drop the Lawrence and just be Mike Potter. But there's an actor in Canada who's taking that up. Mike, we need to talk, please. <laughs> um, Mike, I'm, your career has
0: run its course. Time for the, <laughs> <what's> <laughs> the new blood
3: in bud. Please, Mike. Like, just, just let the, let me have the IMDb name. That's all I need. <laughs> um, in terms of what I'm working on now, I've been incredibly blessed to work with the fantastic people at Looped Pictures. Check them out on YouTube. They have four new short films: uh, Redacted, Proof of Concept, The Big Sip, and uh, Rerun. Fantastic new short films. Uh, they're up and coming, spectacular filmmakers. I got to be a part of. Please check them out. They are just they're definitely going places and it was a pleasure to work with them uh i'm working on a feature film at the moment that uh is going to be pitched to a big content provider but i'm going to knock on wood because these things can change in an instant but keep an eye out for that and in terms of what i'd like to work on uh (laughs) i am absolutely um i'm absolutely obsessed with the grudge and I know that they remade it in the early 2000s, but if there is anyone out there who wants to remake that and have a white guy who has been described as being able to play a jerk and an asshole, hit me up. Because I, I will, I can, uh, I've got range and I'd like to help you out. And um, I'm currently gymming my ass off uh, because I feel that the remake of Mortal Kombat is coming and hopefully I'll be like 12th in line to play Johnny Cage. Because that would just be a dream role for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you have to be able to do a split and punch in the air, though. All right. So, again, I always do this without consulting Jamie. But I, I uh, organize the films.
0: Yeah, no, it's fine. Uh,
1: in a specific order. So I thought we can go from most recent to oldest. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, the first film...
3: Do you want to introduce it, Michael? Uh, would that be would that be the Ari Aster psychological horror known as Midsummer? I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden.
0: No, oh, you said it would be cool to go. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity, and I decided Look, I to do it. I don't mind you going. I just wish you would have told me. That's all.
3: Dude, she needs a therapist. You've been wanting out of this stupid relationship for like a year now. And don't forget about all of the beautiful Swedish women you'll meet in June. Okay, guys. That's not her again. Seriously?
2: Babe, what's happening? Danny. I was so very sorry to hear about what happened. I'm sorry.
3: I invited Danny to come to Sweden. You know what she's been going through? Christian says you've
2: got this special week planned. It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. That
3: sounds fun.
1: Yes, it would. Midsummer Uh, 2019.
3: That's right. And my word, many sleepless nights had on that one. So for for those of you who don't know, Midsummer is a really, really, I suppose the best way you can describe it is a claustrophobic um a claustrophobic horror film shot entirely with uh, the exception of one or two scenes shot entirely with it during the daytime which yeah. just makes it so much more jarring and it is an ensemble cast that boasts some spectacular actors like Florence Pugh I mean she's probably she's like Hollywood royalty at this point but it was one of her first um it was one of her first like sort of establishing roles and It's, you know, horror movies, unfortunately, get the the stigma of having sort of very, very baser instinct acting. But Florence is just so nuanced and so uh, human in this. But it's essentially about a group of friends who go through to Sweden to take a look at a archaic Midsummer festival. And they go into this uh, tiny little, tiny little village cut off from civilization where strange things begin to happen. And it is... Just you—you so you have no idea what's going to happen next. It's mm. and it's just full. It's just filled with so many turns and the psychedelic elements of the of the film making and the character development. Oh, I can't. I, I, I genuinely gush about this movie. I think artistically speaking, because I'm quite a I'm quite a hipster and I'm quite a snob. Like artistically speaking, of the three <laughs> of the three of the three movies that I've put forward here, this is the one that I'm glad I get to speak about the artistic. Um, relevance of it because the other two uh the one is an enjoyable um enjoyable cultural hit and the other one is well we'll get there but <laughs> it's mm. still one mm-hmm. of my favorite mm-hmm. movies <laughs> yeah the yeah but
1: oh my I,
0: God. <laughs>
1: we're, we'll get to that uh, momentarily here but this so this film um oh God, I, I can't quit <laughs> laughing thinking about it i know so this is the second time i watched this film was in preparation for this episode the, Same, yeah. I struggle a little, just for me, um, with this kind of horror subgenre. Um, it just typically isn't my my train stop. But I will say sure, that sure. this go-round, this watch-through, was way, way more positive than the first time I watched through it. And I think partly because, A, I didn't understand the film the first time I saw it. And sure, yeah. I yeah. fell down a rabbit hole doing research on the intent of the film. And much like you don't find oftentimes uh, directors say like, no, I mean, interpret it as you will. Like the film, it's for you and it's your thing. Like, I feel like Ari Astor had a very specific takeaway from this. Um, and it's essentially that this this movie is like a re- reverse love story, really. It's like, it's about oh, yeah. a breakup. Um, and it's about the tumultuous and rampant feelings that go through a person when they're coming to terms with that realization so like the act of breaking up is one thing but the course that one goes through prior to that occurring i think is the most emotionally taxing as a person that's broken up with someone before like that's the stressful challenging and difficult part is you go through these really strange emotions and they're 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 crazy so um looking at it under that light uh I definitely appreciated this film more, this go-around. But do we want to talk about the ensemble cast and maybe some of the tropes associated with some of the characters? Yeah. Yeah. So I have absolutely. them written out here, so maybe I'll rattle them off, and then um, and then we can collectively uh, define them, I suppose. Sure. So we've got Florence Pugh that uh, you mentioned. So she's the character of Danny. Danny,
2: um, yes.
1: Yeah. So she's our screen queen, essentially, right?
3: I, I the thing about what I liked about her is that she has a lot of agency in this film, whereas like a lot of the time where you have these uh, women in roles, they are, you know, they're essentially just sort of pinballed around by the circumstances that um, that beset them. Whereas I think what was so cool about Danny's character is that she goes from being somebody who has no autonomy and is essentially attached to her reluctant boyfriend's sleeve And as she kind of progresses, you know, she does ascend to that May Queen status where she has more autonomy, she has more power. Yeah, she's got a serious
1: uh, arc. Oh, she was just a
3: tag along, you know? Yep. Yeah. Like quite literally, yeah. And I mean, she was, and it it was one of those things where when we first started watching it, I didn't like her character in the beginning. And when it when it became apparent that she was going to be the main focus, I thought, oh no, this is going to be a long movie. (laughs) But as (laughs) and it is a long movie. (laughs) But but as but as that continued, it was one of those things where you go, okay, I get it now. You know, let's go along for the ride here. And uh, yeah, she I would say starts off as a scream queen, and I mean, ultimately ends off as she's got such a weird sort of thing because she ends off as both the survivor of the film, but also like it could be even argued as like what the the the, the villain, the yeah the villain, the, yeah. Per- yeah, no, the perpetrator. I, yeah. There's which is That's... which is a very which is a very unexplored character arc in horror. You know, you either. <laughs> the scream queen of the villain. It's not often you get to be yeah. both.
0: That smile she gives at the end is just so oh, villainous. Haunting. Yeah. Haunting. Yeah. Can I actually imagine winced. imagine being I like, burned well, alive in a bear suit? Because this, again, yeah. John, this was my second <laughs> time as well. Yeah. And um, I, I have the same feelings as far as I didn't get it the first time. I, I missed, I think I just was probably fucking around on my phone and missed some key details. Yeah, I, I actually watched, watched this. That's what I again. did as well this yeah. time around. I like, because I, The thing is, is people now talk about this movie in such high regard. And when I watched it, I was kind of like, I felt like I had to watch it with more scrutiny because I was like, I I must be missing something. So that's exactly what I did. And I actually really enjoy the film now. And I would recommend people like I. The thing is, is it as you said, it's a long movie, but it never feels long. It never feels like something is uh, being drawn out, really. It feels like everything is necessary and kind of has to be there. What was your um, did you have a character
3: that you related to the most? From the ensemble cast? Uh, fi- Finally, I think it would probably be William. Uh, William, who um, William Jackson Harper, who plays Josh, uh, who is yeah. the scholar, the scholar who actually goes there in order to, um, to in order to study this. Um, I don't know. Like, I think my friends would probably argue that I'm more Mark. Because I was going to say, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. Like everyone would probably say, no, you're the you're the rowdy smartass. But um, I think I'm a lot more Josh in the sense of that he's just a guy who's trying to get his job done. And, you know, I'm usually the guy who's got all of the the, the dramas happening around me. Like I try to be I try to live a pretty drama free life Sure, you know, said, said by someone who like everyone who says that has a lot of drama. That's just a fact. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, are you, I in that situation, I have been in that situation where like you're at a music festival or you're at like a, a school field trip or something. And there's like the couple, and they've broken down, and your friend, who's a smartass at the worst of times, is now being absolutely insufferable. Um, Yeah, so I I felt, and also I felt a lot for Josh's character, for Josh as a character, because I mean, of all the people who didn't deserve what he got, he was definitely like, he was definitely like, like treated the worst. Yeah, no, I know. Some pictures, bud. I, I know, I know, but really, they don't, yeah.
0: (laughs) That's um, when he goes. When he goes in there, I'm like. But I mean, you're gonna die. You just yeah, like, What are you doing?
1: Also, that yeah. I think is probably the 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 true like tr- the most traditional scene of horror in the film is that.
3: Absolutely, That yeah.
1: scene. Because when <laughs> that guy comes in wearing the wearing the face on the face, uh, oh.
3: Oh, good lord! Yeah, it, it's somewhere out there, Ed Gein is clapping slowly. And
1: and again, the sound design of this film. Uh, Phenomenal. Oh, I mean, just the the scenes where the bodies are falling off the, the cliff. Oh, good lord! Oh, sound,
2: good like, lord.
1: It, when I started thinking of watching this film again, I cringed thinking of having to listen to that sound again because it's followed me for the past
3: year and a half since. Oh man, that, it. that 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 thump, that thump. It's like so jarring, yeah. and um, the 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 score and the soundtrack as well are just. Um, just exceptional. I can't, I can't say enough about this movie.
2: Ooh,
1: yeah, it really is. Um, so, so, Florence, so Danny's our Scream Queen slash um, villain. So, William, poor guy, uh, who plays Josh, is the nice guy, who's very intelligent, who um, gets uh, really the shit out of the stick, both from his friends and from a blunt object. Um, yeah. Then, So, we've got Wilhelm uh, Blomgren, I believe his name is, who plays Pele. Uh, Pele
3: a... is he. He would be the Bobby, uh, like he would be my character of. Um, yeah, that, that's of what I have what written it, here. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's the he's the like the Loki, the 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 antagonist, the the person who basically sets things into the horrible mo- emotion that we find ourselves in. I have Trojan Horse written next to his name. Yeah. They're perfect, absolutely perfect, except that he's a Swedish horse. Which is not like a Swedish fish, <laughs> and uh, it doesn't yeah, they, taste good. I mean, but it's you know that's very bad for you. <laughs> there, there we go. We, we we did it, everyone. Swedish fish sponsorship coming.
1: <laughs> and then the Mark character, uh, Will Poulter, is the comic relief. He's sort of the jester.
3: Yeah, the comic relief jerk. And then of course uh, Jack Quaid, yeah, who plays who plays Christian, who. A lot of arguments towards that because uh, um, *Midsummer* is also a movie that has uh, garnered a lot of feminist, uh, feminist uh, ideologies where like Jack Raynor is sort of the, um, the embodiment of hetero, hetero men's like worst sort of characteristics of selfishness and uh, what's it sort of, uh, I guess just in consideration. But I mean, at the same time, you could even argue that you know, people break up and things happen and people drift apart. And, sure. you know, when you, when your partner's gone through, um, a horrible sense of trauma, you want to be there for them and you want to help them out. But it's also like, it's, it's really hard to deal with someone like that. Well, and he's
1: villainized for, for, for his complacency, I guess. But to your point, like, what the, what do you do? Like, because clearly he had the intent of breaking up with this person and then sure yeah that tragic thing happens so he's sh- he's trying to do the right thing and that's that scene where they're all uh he's like oh, i'm just gonna go to that party for like 40 minutes just go back to sleep
3: and yeah, she's yeah like
1: uh no i'll come with you and they're all standing there um and i think that's where it they're like well yeah no i'm uh i'm heading heading overseas uh and and she's like really when and he was like i don't don't know, maybe like in two weeks. It's not solidified yet, but like we
3: might be going in like fourteen days. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like he he had this thing completely planned out, and that's and yeah. that's the thing. And once again, one of the reasons why I like this movie is that yeah, there are very set stereotypical characters, but there's a lot of nuance between them. Of like, if you read between the lines, you're kind of forced to question the stereotypical visions they get given. Which is one of the reasons I love Triggered because. You know, Bobby's a jerk. I'm not gonna ruin the twist. But I mean he whether the reason was good or not, it was his reason and it was good enough for him. You know, in the same sure. way that you think, you know, um, like, you know, Ryan, Ryan had her reasons. Was the reason good? No, but they were hers. And it that's and, and Christian that's has
1: of- his reasons here in this film, to your point. Like I, I completely agree. And I, I did also want to note, I think you hit on something with the um was uh, Ariaster's intent on on Christian's character because I, I I feel like, and I was reading about how uh, the scene where he
3: after the uh, the group fertilization we'll call it <laughs> oh, um, wow and uh, and euphemism of the year goes to
1: yeah <laughs> uh, yeah but when he when he uh, runs out of there he initially in the script was supposed to be clothed. And I think in the moment they're like, no, 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 go out naked. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was reading, there were some nods to the fact of like typically in traditional or standardized horror, um, when women die, they're typically, uh, naked or naked or yeah. And, and I think there's probably some intent there that's more complicated than I'm capable of understanding, but, um, I, I'm really glad that you picked this, though, because I think it challenged Jamie and I, um, and I feel better about this film than I did originally. So.
0: Yeah, and what's funny is when I finished it the first time, I wouldn't have recommended it to uh, my wife. And then after watching it this time around, I was like, well, no, you have to watch this. Like, this yeah. is a movie people have to watch, you know?
3: Yeah. Like, I kind
0: of—honestly, uh, I, I felt bad about myself that I wrote it off the first time I saw it.
3: Well, I'm, Should... well, I'm glad that you guys managed to return to it. Yeah,
1: do you guys want to regress a little bit to uh, our next film?
3: Oh, uh, please! Oh Let's my goodness! <laughs> All right, I'll
0: introduce. If this, this, one. if this is what they call elevated horror, we are going to the goddamn basement. <laughs> <laughs>
3: this is the pit. This is the
0: pit that drives
3: the elevator. <laughs> uh, this is this is my this is my four a.m. back from a drunken night. I couldn't believe that this existed, and when I put it on, and I, I watch it, and I've rewatched it i still can't believe it exists i i i love it in a way that i'm not entirely proud of <laughs> it's just it's just a lot who wants to introduce it
1: <laughs> all right now that we've let people hang on this we're gonna we're gonna give it another beat just for dramatic effect and we're talking about pro
0: wrestlers
1: versus, versus zombies, zombies. Got a private gig and they want you.
2: Who the fuck wants a private gig at an empty prison? As of tomorrow, you've bought yourself a franchise for one more night. <laughs>
0: Slayers vs Zombies 2014, directed by Cody Knotts. Um, so you know how like if somebody says like they love a band, you kind of have a preconceived notion about who they are. If you if you haven't met them, like if John was like uh, trying to introduce me to somebody that hadn't met me yet, and he was like, "No, Brandon, oh, what's his Jamie band? like?" And he's like, "Oh, well, he has an AFI tattoo." I feel like they'd be like, "Oh, hmm." <laughs> and so when John was like, cool. "No, this guy recommended this movie," and I started watching, and I was black? like who the fuck is this guy, this Michael Potter? Who who likes this? But you uh, turned out to be way better than
3: uh, this movie represented you as. Oh, well, I mean, I'm glad that I was better than three and a half stars on IMDb. That's what I strive to be.
1: But to be be fair, this movie does really solidify and satisfy the assignment, which is the ensemble cast mentality. uh, Oh, damn. There are... Okay, so let me let me just rattle off the quick uh, IMDb um, plot of this film cause synopsis. I think I, I honestly had never heard of this movie. Um, no, and sure. And I had a hard time finding it. I actually had to watch it on YouTube.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, no surprises. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but there are famous wrestlers uh, who are pitted against hordes of undead when they unknowingly walk into a death trap, which is a uh, vacant state penitentiary yeah. from like yeah. I think they're in Oregon or something, aren't they? Out west, maybe
3: yes, yes.
1: Um, but it's packed with, uh, I, I, <laughs> it's packed with professional wrestlers that like those that are really, really into pro wrestling.
0: Um, you'll, know, you'll know everybody. I knew yeah. Rowdy Roddy Piper, and that was it, yeah. Um, yeah, oh, well, Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the franchise, yeah. No, I did not, and know the, fr- the franchise was. yeah. Can we yeah, talk like about it, the fucking it, guy, though, with. The blue suit on
1: and the mustache that looks like John Carpenter's, like, really distant. Was <laughs> the his voice? He calls a
0: girl emo? He's like, don't be an emo. No, but he don't didn't say it like that. I was like,
1: don't be an emo. Yeah.
0: Like, why his voice was so high. <laughs> oh, wait a second. I, is this what you meant when you sent me a yes. random text one night that was like, why is the guy... John <laughs> sent me a text with absolutely no context. Um, I woke up in the morning and it said, but why is the guy with the mustache's voice so high? I didn't know if he was talking about the football game that we were watching. Like I, I had no idea, and just now it dawned on me that that's what he meant.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think if you're gonna if you're gonna try and search for meaning or motivation in this movie, you're not gonna have a good time. Just, just to let you know where I was coming from when I watched this movie, and it'll be a good segue into. Yeah, explain the yourself,
2: Michael.
3: The, yeah, I will explain myself. Okay, so I am a, um, I am absolutely unashamedly a really, really big uh, wrestling fan. Um, I was a huge fan during the Ruthless Aggression era. Um, I dropped off because you know girls and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And um, as as I as I. Uh, rose into my true vocation as a as a strange uh 20 something year old nerd i started uh finding these uh, top 20 lists of like topics that you kind of liked as a kid that you forget about uh, like sites like what culture cultaholic that sort of stuff and a lot of them were like wrestling themed and i was like oh yeah i really used to get into this stuff so I like I, I think jamie and i both were for sure and, and, and like with that, you know, there's all the thing about wrestling is that it's like, how do you even explain it to somebody? It's it's what would happen if you try to do the Avengers on a budget and someone just like quickly explain to you. It's like UFC combined with the circus. If you were like, I don't know, you, you drank a bunch of cough syrup and everyone was talking like they were in a soap <laughs> opera. It's just like, I don't I, I don't know. I don't know, but I love it. And there, there was a top ten of like the like pro wrestling movies, and there was the wrestler with Mickey Rourke, which is obviously just absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, then that's a really good the, film. there's like Requiem for a Heavyweight, which is in, which is incredible, and then they had pro wrestlers versus zombies. And I thought I like zombies, I like pro wrestlers, I like movies with the name Verse. Let's check this out. It's four a.m. What else am I doing? I think and, <laughs> you know, alien, alien versus Predator, Kramer versus Kramer, Kramer versus Kramer, not that scary, you know, like as far as horror movies go. <laughs> but, not a lot um, of pro
1: wrestlers either.
3: <laughs> no, exactly, you know. and I, And then I saw the cast, and I didn't see the entire cast, and thank goodness I didn't because I got very surprised. Now, first of all, Roddy Piper, who I think is – I mean, he was probably one of the most famous wrestlers of all time. He was like Hulk Hogan's major – adversary in the 80s and he was in this in this film he's kind of playing the the golden veteran uh kind of the nice guy which already is completely miscast because roddy piper in his heyday was a jerk that was his whole thing and and once again he's probably with the exception of maybe dwayne the rock johnson or batista he's the greatest crossover star in terms of acting and wrestling you know he was in they live he's been in some exceptional stuff but yeah, there I feel he like is. he
1: was not only a vet, a veteran, he was a veteran on both sides of that verse because the, from the wrestler standpoint, obviously, and then also in the horror community, like he, he was in one of John Carpenter's better known films for sure. And, and they live. And I, I feel like, uh, in that movie too, like he
3: also had that attitude. <laughs> I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble bubblegum like, He's a
1: hard ass. Yeah.
3: Oh, exactly but like what makes it so heartbreaking is that it was this was genuinely one of his last appearances and yeah. it's just it's just such a kick in the in the proverbial um but it, it first of all it was just a fever dream to see him taking on like a bunch of extras uh, dressed up as zombies playing them you know very unconvincingly sorry cody but <laughs> your, the, the zombies needed some work man um i was thinking get, of
1: that too like those those had to be fanboys and think of that experience for those people like
3: oh, hey, we're man, gonna make right. a movie
1: called pro wrestlers vs zombie and you you're gonna eat matt hardy and yeah,
3: i get to i get to grope the broken one matt hardy i'm dead like <laughs> let's let, let's do it man and that's then once again then you uh, to get back to the cost then you have jim duggan who was yeah you know, he was popular back in the 80s it was way before my time but he was like a well, guy i had a that styrofoam had, from, like two by four
0: they sold at the uh, wrestling shows jamie
2: has in his hand
0: right now every
1: time
2: i say something he doesn't like i just hit him with it it.
3: that's i mean that's what that's what jim would have wanted and to see like he was the guy that i had to google because i had very little um understanding of who he is and after seeing this movie i still have very little understanding of who he is i guess (laughs) I, i guess I guess he was the tough guy. Like he, he hit zombies with two by fours. Like it's not, Mm -hmm. this is not, this is not like David Mamet. You know, I'm not sure what I can say about him. (laughs) And then Matt Hardy, I think was, was the strangest (laughs) appearance on this, in this movie for the sole fact that in terms of acting and in terms of creativity, he is just like an absolute Catherine wheel. Like he is so smart and so nuanced. But, I mean, in this movie, he's, like, he's the guy with the girlfriend. He's the guy who's, like, yeah. making out you know, constantly. making out constantly, you know, like, oh, as long as the zombie... Her, like. Oh, it is? Yeah, yeah Ruby Sky, yeah. And for him, it's, like, you know, as long as nobody hurts my girlfriend, like, yeah, I'm I'm kind of, I'm kind of like, have some scenes in the corner of my eye just to inform some of my um opinions. And right now, I'm right at the scene where... While they're trying to get zombies away from the door, Matt Hardy stood up, pulling up his pants because he's mm-hmm. just been caught in the act with his wife, and that you know, and that's that's a horror trope in itself. There's always the couple that there's imminent death, but there's more than enough time to you know get friendly. Then we have Shane Douglas, who is cast as the pretty boy, um, like the pretty boy savior of the group. Now. I don't know how many of you were watching ECW in the 90s, but Shane Douglas made his money and made his like wrestling pedigree being a bad guy. And I mean, he was vicious. So it is so jarring to see a guy who I've seen smack like Taz with a chair, talk to his son like, you'd be real good at school now. Okay. You know, you just, you do your absolute best. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I was a kid run. Like he's going to backstab you, man. This is the franchise,
1: right?
3: Yeah. The franchise, Shane Douglas, um, apparently an incredibly, incredibly humble and nice guy in real life. But his, yeah. uh, his, 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 uh, his work character was a very, very vicious guy.
2: And, and we have um, tropes
1: within tropes here. We have the predefined tropes of who these people were in the wrestling world versus who they were in this film, which is not the same thing.
3: I bet this movie which, was a
0: shit ton of fun to
3: make. Oh, could oh, you imagine? Oh, with, yeah. yeah. Well, with without a doubt. I mean, and I think, like, where where it's really funny is that all of them are playing themselves, which is a very, like, um, um, <laughs> yeah. the what, what's a movie with uh, James Franco and Seth Rogen where the world is ending? Yeah. Um, this is the end or um, yeah, this is the end. It's very much that where they're playing heightened versions of themselves. But I mean, I would argue that with a lot of them, they are like very much like deviating from their character. And I think where I, on my first watching rage quit this movie. And then on the second viewing cheered very loudly is when my, I can't believe it, but my favorite wrestler of all time, just popped up, there was Kurt Angle, just angle-slamming zombies, and I'm like, what the heck is happening here? Like, how Also, his, they-
1: his appearance is so disconnected from the, the rest of the film.
3: <laughs> I'm like, just where, like, uh, The only thing I can imagine is they sent him a brief, and he was like, hell no, and then halfway through filming, he maybe got a call from Roddy and went... Okay, no,
2: I'll. <laughs> I'm, I'm I, get to,
0: I get to suplex a zombie.
2: But I'm in.
3: I also feel like he
1: was like, "I'm going to do it at my house, though. I'll send you guys the footage because he's no, not he's around ha- any of the other characters."
3: No, no, I don't like. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not flying to Oregon, guys. No, <laughs> no. This this movie, it's it's one of those things where you're just happy it exists. You're not sure why it does, but if you if you like pro wrestling and you like zombies. I mean, you probably won't like this, but like yeah, the watch, <laughs> watch, watching it is just—it's—it's um, it's quite astounding, and um, honest and honestly quite ambitious for what it achieves so we, we have just given it all the appreciation it ever needs like, <laughs> like don't worry
1: we've
0: just talked about this movie longer than literally anyone
2: <laughs> fair
0: enough
1: so the third we're gonna tickle the, the nostalgia bone though right um oh yeah, man this is oh, one man. of of i have said multiple times it's in my top two favorite films of all time yep
3: um, right. so michael you want to introduce this one uh guys uh if i can take it back to being a kid and walking through the the blockbuster and taking a look at the video store this was the this was the vhs tape that i walked past for years and years and years and i said the minute that i'm 13 i'm renting this damn thing because <laughs> the the and the thing is i didn't have to wait until i was 13 a friend of mine had a had a divorced dad so that just means you can watch whatever the hell you want when you go yep. over there
2: <laughs> <laughs> yep.
3: and he he got him he got himself a copy and it was everything i ever wanted it was violence they were pretty girls david arquette was in it i just this movie scream the 1996 wes craven classic
2: hello hello who is this if you tell me your name i'll tell you mine <laughs> i don't think so what's that noise popcorn you making popcorn well, i'm getting ready to watch a video really what oh, just some scary movie you like scary movies uh-huh you never told me your name why do you want to know my name i want to know who i'm looking at
3: man what a film like it's it's one of those that i i will re-watch this film a million times i will continue to watch it a million times and it's just there it's been often imitated it's never been duplicated it's the perfect ensemble cast it's the perfect summer movie slasher film it's just yeah i mean what, what what can we possibly say about it that hasn't been said a million
1: times i don't think anything but i completely agree with you i i this is the movie i've seen the most amount of times for sure um i just remember my experience with it I, I think I was, so let's see, it came out in 96. I think it was December of yeah. 96. So it would have been 97 when um, we were able to get it from the video store. So I was 10. I was born in 87. Um, so I r- recall my friends had, uh, similar to what you described, they were always good to watch whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. My mom was on the fence about me watching this film at the age of 10. And I recall she said to me, uh, all right. I watched it last night because she would she would do that thing where she would watch it prior to allowing us to watch or not watch something, my sister and I. And she said, okay, I watched it last night. Uh, I really don't want you to watch this film. I know you're going to pester the shit out of me about it, though. So if you're going to watch it, I want to watch it with you. And I remember yeah. we watched the opening scene um, where Casey uh, gets slung up on the tree And I I watched that with my mother right before I went to school one morning. And I remember (sighs) like at school, like I, it's all I could think about all day. And that night, like, um, I remember my sister had dance. This was the first time I watched it. And like, we had a TV that was kind of like off the kitchen. And I, I just remember like watching it in the scene where, um, uh, Sydney's running upstairs. Like this is shortly after, uh, Billy, quote-unquote, gets, st- you know, killed. In her mind, yeah. she's killed. And then the guy's coming after her, and he's running uh, through the upstairs chasing her. And then my mom comes in. She's like, all right, got to take your sister to dance. And I was like, no, 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 you, I can't. She's like, well, A, I don't want you watching this movie. B, I've allowed you to watch it. C, I'm not letting you sit home by yourself to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, I had, to, like, damn right. I had to pause it there, and then I came home and finished it. And then I just remember, like, that night, I stayed up all night thinking about it, and it just completely, like disrupted it was a pattern interrupt for what my brain was capable of doing at that point in life and it completely changed my perspective and it got me so hooked on horror and it was the gateway that brought me into absolutely everything
3: yeah i think i think that you're not alone in that sense i think scream launched a lot of uh, anxious horror fans uh and it, all it took was a white mask and a knife and a whole bunch of very good looking people getting sliced to bits you know who would have thought
1: Yeah, I mean, Jamie, I know this
0: is one of your favorite movies, too. Yeah, Um, The ensemble, the cast is what makes this movie. Uh, I think for me, everyone is like, you know, we've already discussed this, but everybody has their defined roles. Um, I was, I think I was 15 when this came out. So it really resonated with me because I was, you know, that same age as them. You were one of those kids. Yeah. Um so it's like if it, fuck this movie was so scary for me because you know this could really to me they're like this was something like this could happen uh, one of my friends could be a killer
1: and i i think that was part of the popularity of horror in the 80s was that the tropiness of like the different character archetypes you know yeah. existed and people would watch those things and be like oh yeah that's my friend whoever yeah, right that's Stu yeah and i yeah. think scream realized like all right, we need to redefine that and like let's come back to Earth real quick here and create some characters that are really really tangible, and and some characters that are very very realistic. And it it's exactly what it is. Like these were '90s kids that we all were or then modeled ourselves to be like after seeing them sure, in sure, this yeah. film.
0: And the banter yeah. and everything was you know it was very realistic to me uh, at that time, and it still resonates. Like I, I don't. It's funny because I don't know if people. Love it as much as me sometimes because of, um, like I just said, I place myself in that time and I I see myself as a teenager there. And uh, I know a lot of like younger kids, they watch it and they, you know, they can't place themselves in that time frame. Um, That's what I always do. I just place myself right in there. But John and I both have cats. Uh, I already mentioned this briefly, but we both have cats named after people in this cast. My cat is Sydney Prescott. Nice. And John has uh, Dewey. So. And, uh, and are we,
1: next up is going to be Tailweathers. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> whenever we get another one, let's hit some of these characters and and maybe define some of their tropes, though. So we've got Drew Barrymore first up, first dead as Casey.
3: Yeah, the 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 lamb to slaughter, basically the yeah. the the vi- the victim in which the entire film is essentially circulated around.
1: And her, I mean, her death is like the scene of her hanging from that tree. With Oof. her out, outside... Her insides out, like...
0: I I feel like that's so necessary because it opens you up like... You you know now that, like, this movie is fucking for real. I mean, you kind of get that with, you know, the boyfriend outside, but... The, it's like this... We're not fucking around. And there's a very clear...
1: It Honestly, it's like an opening band, too. Because there's, like, a very clear beginning and end to that scene. It doesn't, like, weave yeah. into something else. It's like this very cold open with the phone ringing. And then it's a very hard stop end with someone hanging from a tree mm-hmm. with that shrill scream happening from her mother and then cut like holy shit yeah all right so we've no. got drew barrymore then we head to nev campbell as sydney
3: sydney the yeah best. the the yeah the final the final girl like the one who um the one who basically art lives and art lost um, on a lot of um on a lot of blog sites and a lot of write-ups, she's kind of described as like the virgin or final girl, which is a which is an unfortunate like um, like non-deplume for a for like what was kind of going around in '90s and early 2000s culture, where you were kind of on a spectrum of either quote unquote slut or virgin, um, which is yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting way in which we kind of viewed movies now, whereas, like I think it's it's a trope that thankfully doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah, but, uh, yeah,
1: because it's a trope that's modeled after like people like humans and it's, it's yeah precisely that, yeah. Yeah. yeah but That's yeah how she kind of viewed people and she's really kind of redefined the character for sure and her her the strength of her character having like emotional and mental fortitude after you know her going through the shit that with her mother dying and all that like uh i mean it's she, she
3: just really redefined an entire genre yeah. of yeah. Empowered, strong characters no no, absolutely. And uh, Liesl Ahlers, who plays um, <clears throat> who plays our lovely final girl in um, Trigger, well, not Final Girl. I think you're going to have to watch the movie to figure out because, man, there's a lot of twists and turns in triggered. But she yeah, actually really are. Modeled, she modeled a lot of her character over Sydney Prescott to the point where I'm sure she doesn't mind me embarrassing her. But she's got a little um, she's got a little book that she goes to with all her acting notes and stuff. And there were like a couple of photos of sydney kind of like plastered oh, all over God. it and i thought that was so cute because like yeah That's i mean awesome, that man. if you're if you're playing the strong empowered um, woman in a horror film i mean you gotta you gotta give it up to sydney in the same way that if you you know you've got to give it up to um you know you got to give it up to like the the original lady uh, ridley from alien if you're going to play a strong and action woman it's just there's certain yep. archetypes that define a generation and yeah, Nev Campbell, Sydney Prescott is just that. She's the girl, man. Yeah, 100 yeah, And 100%. Scully, too, from
1: X-Files, I feel like she of really... Of course. Like, hey, yeah, you the... don't... Like, you, you can be a doctor. You can mm-hmm. be a strong, intelligent woman that is uh, the counterweight to your, like, very standard man-type uh, character in the form of a of, of fox. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I'll talk about fucking X-Files. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, this new uh, podcast, podcast is called... <laughs> Harry Potter and the X-Files. I don't know if you guys have heard it. It's great. Right. <laughs> and we've been cancelled. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Not renewed for season one.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, oh. Next we've got Damn
3: Skeet Ulrich. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: uh, Billy. <laughs> the most ninety, the most nineties hot guy name ever. We all we just accept really? the names it like is, Skeet yes. and Chaz yeah. and Chad and I don't know. <laughs> yeah, It's amazing Loomis, how the, well. uh,
0: I was just gonna say it's amazing to me how well acted this this movie is. Like these kids, did they just fucking nail it? I, I know. And he he, like Skeet, he truly does it. God really. damn. Like we talked you and I talked about the video store scene before John, but um, as recently as last episode. But like him and that movie that video store, it's like he is the killer. And he oh fuck. Like his eyes. You know what always pissed me off yeah. though, I gotta say. What the cover
1: of the film he's got that like Zorro facial hair.
0: <laughs> yeah, he and does. And in the movie, he does. Yeah. He
1: doesn't. Honestly, that, like I this, this has right. been bothering <laughs> me for the past, like
3: 24 years. <laughs> I, think about it every I can day. guarantee. No, I can guarantee that that was a producer's note because I'm just a, a little peek behind the curtain here. But a lot of the time what happens is that like, once they've kind of selected the, the roles, you do the promotional material before you do the, um, you do the you do the filming. I mean, I, I I once was in a trailer for a movie that hadn't been shot yet, which I think is a bit presumptuous, but um, to give you an idea, like it was a '60s uh, set movie, the one that I was just in uh, yesterday, and they asked me like, you know, because my the my character arc is that I start out being quite a conservative guy, and through meeting this woman, I kind of like embrace more of the '60s cancer culture. So like, all right, Mike, we're gonna need you to grow your hair. I'm like, sure and uh yeah then i rocked up with my grown hair and they were like yeah you're gonna have to go for a haircut because it <laughs> it, it, it didn't look good guys it did not look good so like there's all there was the same deal where, like there's a lot of like promotional posters of this uh of this man with um, what appears to be a dead ferret on his head and scraggly facial hair. And in the movie, movie, it's crew cut and clean cut, and that is the way it stays. Like, it's just, um, yeah, like, I think a lot of the time you, you get the right casting and you have a vision of what you want that character to look like. And I mean, a quote unquote Zorro facial hair was, I think, very in in the 90s. Um, yeah. This is the this is the time period in which people started growing just the goatee and we didn't say anything. We were just like, mm-hmm. OK, that, that's that's just that's what we thing? do now.
2: Yeah. If it, that ever cool. comes go.
3: back, I will go live underground. <laughs> Dory, new new metal's coming back, man. Don't you worry. Like we're <laughs> we're two steps away from goatees and mud vein T-shirts. But yeah, like it's I've I really I really never thought about that of this guy not having <laughs> facial hair in the movie. It's and it really I kinda, bothers
0: me that Matthew Lillard is not on the
3: yeah in the picture. Drew Barrymore is, and, she's
0: like doubly down because it's they're standing in front of her face and she's still in there, but he is not.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, unfortunately, that's the that's the difference between. Uh, first of all, if we can talk about uh, Matthew um, Lillard, which who is my favorite actor in this. Because um, he was just in so many movies that um, I hold in such high reverence, um, like SLC Punk. Um, I mean, he was my generation. He was he was my generation's Shaggy. So I mean, I right. not love him. Yeah. But and you know, like and then little comedic things like uh, yes. without a paddle. comic
1: relief. But in yeah. this film too, like he is the comic relief, and then it's it's offset by the fact that um, this is a spoiler. And if you've not seen Scream by the time you're getting to the end of this episode. What the fuck? I don't He's it's, one of the killers, out. so yeah.
3: It's been um, out for 24 years, guys. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and if but, you've not
1: asked yourself the question, why does Stu have facial hair on the cover and not in the movie? Also, what the fuck, you know? Um, but yeah, no. Stew's character, the comic relief, so so prominent, and and Jamie Kennedy's too. Randy's character, I think he does a great job for comic relief, but he's also like he's a reliable source of information through the through all three films. Um, even though he doesn't make it to the third, he still has an appearance on that video. And he's kind of like the... Uh, he's almost like the Frog Brothers uh, uh, subject matter expert, you know? Yeah. That you yeah, can rely yeah, yeah. on to kind of help guide you through the unknown. Um, so his his trope uh, is well represented here, and I think kind of redefined that too and really empowered people like like, what I became, um, which is a, you know, a horror nut, um, and yeah. he, he made it, you know, socially acceptable, <laughs> I guess.
0: Yeah, he did, to make to be yeah. a horror Like, even in Scream 2 at the beginning there, you know, like him in the class <clears throat> uh, discussing, they're all discussing the horror, and he, he comes off as, like, not a nerd, but, like, somebody who's just really knows, you yeah. know, horror and movies in general. And, and then he uses Banaka before he leaves. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, he's, and I think it's so cool that he's knowledgeable out the fact, but then Wes Craven, who's obviously very meta and likes to kind of uh, misdirect, he kind of says, oh, yeah, you know a lot about horror. Mm, not smart enough to not die, though. So, like, it's kind of yeah. a, yep. it's a it's a very cool subversion of expectations. And, yeah, I'm just going to come right out and say Jamie Kennedy doesn't get enough love, man. I mean, he, he does Son of the Mask and Hollywood Blackballs, And I thought that was really unfair because he's the guy's got chops. He's a good actor.
1: I, oh yeah, I think so too. I think he, after scream though, he did some stuff, and I don't know if it was like lack of availability for other roles, but like, his career just took a very, I don't know. I I feel the way you do. I feel like it should have gone a different way, and that he didn't get the love he he deserved. Um,
3: yeah, well, that's that's Hollywood, man. It's uh, acting as a as it has been explained to me, because obviously I'm very early in this game. But they're basically every single mental figure that I've been lucky enough to cross paths with has said the same thing. It's like, don't get too attached and just, you know, keep going. That's always the thing. You know, the minute that you stop is the minute you get eaten alive by this. So sure. yeah, I mean, I'm, and I'm still in the phase where I'm having loads of fun and meeting new people. And just, you know, I'm, I'm still in the, just happy to be here sort of like phase. And yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to be like a 85 year old actor saying the same thing. So like, I'm just trying to keep that, uh, that attitude Keep that alive yeah yeah it's great
1: so I and uh, got three more characters we want to hit um
3: yes we've got the we've got the woman who launched a million puberties uh tatum rose mcgowan
1: <laughs> yes so i mean that really defines her character trope uh, obviously <laughs> pretty much promiscuous friend um and she just does a great job and her her death scene is so fucking cool and she does put up a fight too like i think of of everybody she she kicks his ass the most uh, yeah throwing the beer bottles at him and stuff and also the way those beer bottles expo- explode when they hit there's nothing Damn like man. it yeah.
0: <laughs> it's so cool
1: her yeah, death scene you, is one you... of
0: the most memorable for sure
3: yeah oh god yeah. no no without without a doubt and i think that her i think her role is looked back on with like a lot more reverence now in the sense of that you know Women are kind of taking back the idea that sexualization doesn't have to be something that disempowers you, but rather gives you a great sense mm-hmm. of power. Like Empowers I think that in a in another in another lifetime, if like, you know we could take the exact same cost in the age that they're in, uh, despite the fact that this is such a time capsule movie, it'd be very interesting to see uh, Tatum as a sexually liberated uh, character kind of conducting herself. And as you said, you know, she was a badass. She like kicked the guy around more than anybody. And I mean, I think that it would be very interesting to see a reinterpretation of like the quote unquote promiscuous hot girl kind of getting one over on the killer because like, yeah, man, sexuality is a, sexuality is a, is a complicated thing.
1: She challenges that, that notion too, right before her death scene, when Stu says, Hey, can you go get me a beer? And she's like, what am I the fucking beer wench or whatever she says? Like, yeah. th- she verbally challenges that concept of, like, no, you're just the attractive girl that should be getting people beers. And she's like, no, I'm... And I I just love how Wes Craven was able to, like, do that in a way that uh, that resonates with us, and it's in our brains, and it's part of our fiber, and we don't even know it, you know, and until... Yeah,
0: it's, it's subtle.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it is. And then we had the older... Uh, people in the film to the the courtney cox uh gail weathers character as well as david arquette deputy dewey character and both respectively like the bumbling cop um
0: two of the best
1: <laughs> dude when he picks up the phone like when sydney <laughs> gets the call at at uh tatum and dewey's house and she's like no no and then she hangs up and he walks out with his gun in his underwear and he picks up the phone he's like hello yeah.
2: Like, yeah it's
0: just it's so <laughs> it's so good um <laughs> I could watch like a TV series of just Gale and Dewey.
3: Just like oh, the, my word, the yeah.
0: Goofy Adventures of Dale and
3: or, Dale, <laughs> Gale, <laughs> <laughs> Dale and Gooey. That's what I was going to say, oh, Dale and Gooey. Oh jeez, it would be like a cross it, it would be like what would happen if uh Chief Wiggum and the, like man teamed up. <laughs> like I can't imagine how, how that would go. <laughs> Dale. Dale and
2: Gooey. MM
1: So she's the <laughs> cutthroat Ruthless, want to get to the top no matter yeah. what, but um she gets humanized, and, you know, like even and that's what's so brilliant about this is even characters like her have an arc in this film. And she yeah. is, like the most arcless uh, type, which is like no, I'm cutthroat, I want to get to the top, I want to get what I want. And she she's humanized because of being offset by uh, Dewey's character.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think it's like it's also such a sweet story that the two of them met on the set and ended up having like a really a really sort of happy and um, credible uh, marriage. I mean, and even now they're they're broke. They're broken up, but apparently it was under very amicable terms. And I mean, the two of them are like they they've basically said, if they make another one, we're coming back and we're going to be in it together. Um, if, you, if you guys haven't watched it yet, if you're a David Arquette fan, you owe it to yourself to watch uh, You Cannot Kill David Arquette. It's a new documentary about uh, David Arquette, basically his career resurgence, uh, coming back from a lot of personal problems. And uh, Courtney Cox actually puts it in such a cool way. Where she says, "Yeah, no, we we met on Scream One, we were married by Scream Two, and divorced by Scream 3. and <laughs> and I, I was I thought like, "Oh, I've never thought of it that way." Yeah, I guess I guess that is how it went down.
0: Well, yeah, I think that about does it, uh, Michael. This has been amazing, man. Thank you so much for joining us and bullshitting about um, some amazing and some.
3: Uh, Fun movies. <laughs> Let's call them fun. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, but we're we're pumped, man. Thank you so much for doing this. uh Thank you for introducing us to Triggered, and we're we're revved to to watch your career grow. um We're we're confident you're going to be successful, and this is going to be it's going to be fun, and hopefully, uh, yeah, man. I mean, get Triggered us to the your
3: first movie.
1: Yeah, Come the on. Academy Awards here That's in a couple right. of years.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> well then, when that when that happens, I promise that uh, you guys will be the first people who get an interview. And I just have to say, guys, it's um, it's been an absolute honor to talk to you guys. I really feel like um, I really feel like I was just talking to two of my friends that I've known for years um, in a bar. It's so great to hear that there are people out there who have such a love and affinity for horror movies. And, yeah, like I said, open invitation. If you guys are ever around my part of the world, the beers are on me. And the same way, I'm going to do my best to get up to Ohio. And thank you so much for having me, guys. I really do appreciate it.
0: Thanks, All man. right, man. Take care.